0: you're listening to the Young Adult Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, challenge you, and lead you closer to Jesus. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy. you, but I had kind of a hectic weekend, so it is just good to be back with the body of believers. Uh, My brothers and sisters in Christ, you guys are amazing, and I am just, uh, again, happy to be here. So, thank you. Now, tonight we are going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24, so if everyone wants to open up their Bibles or their phones and get that out, I'll give you guys a second to do so. Now, just as a quick reminder, last week, uh, Pastor Josh was talking about how Um, Saul was was left, right? He went away from pursuing David because God had sent the Philistines as a distraction so that David could be pretty much rescued out of Saul's hand. And so in 1 Samuel 4, we kind of open up to a place where uh, Saul now gets word of where David is at. So uh, 1 Samuel 24 starts off with Saul returning from following the Philistines but then hearing of where David was at. So they hear that David is in the wilderness of En Gedi, and so, classic Saul, right? He went out to go pursue after David. Now, by this wilderness, there was a cave where Saul went up. Uh, and in, verse, in uh, verse 23, it says this. It says, he came to the sheepfolds by the way where there was a cave. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. So what do we see, right? We see David and his men hiding right, in the, in the back of this cave. We see that Saul is going up pretty much to pee, right? He goes up to pee. I'm sure it's kind of awkward because you can kind of hear the echoing of Saul peeing. And so everyone's like, what the heck do we do? You know, like, what's going on? Like, okay, he's right there. Um, And so the men of David said to him, they said in verse four, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give your enemies into your hand and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Now. Was this the moment for King David to go, well, David at this time, to go and kill Saul? Again, think of yourself in David's position, right? If I was in David's shoes, um, knowing that through a big portion of my life now, I've been running from this dude who is trying to kill me, and he's also in the position that I was called to be in, I would be thinking, shoot, hey, I could just take this guy out and kill two birds with one stone, right? Like get the position that I want, that I was called to, and also live, right? Like, what the heck? So, it's a no-brainer. I got a question for you, though, before we continue. How many of you love kids? How many of you love kids? Just raise your hand. Okay, wow, there's actually a lot of you. Okay, yeah. Now, I know there's some people who, like, absolutely adore kids. Like, they just love them immensely, whatever. There's some people who are like, eh, you know, they're, they're okay, but... Um, Not really. And then there's some where, like, once they stop looking like an alien, then I like them, right? Like, once they're, you know, yeah. So there's kind of like three groups with those people. For me, I find myself in the first group. I love kids. So when I I first moved out, I moved to Florida, and uh, I got a position at a preschool being a teacher's assistant. Now, the most part, these kids were amazing, right? I still remember a ton of their names and everything. They were just such amazing kids, and I loved the job so much, actually. There's a handful of these kids who I'm convinced <laughs> were born children of wrath, okay? These kids were just crazy, right? There's just a couple of these kids, but man, they would get on my nerves a little bit. Now, one of these kids is named Jason. I worked with the four-year-olds, okay? And four-year-olds are a unique age because they're right before, like, first grade, but they're not, like, baby babies. So they're, like, these, like, mini people walking around, and sometimes they have big heads, Right? And so this kid named Jason, he had a huge head, and I mean massive, okay, um, just think of like a normal four-year-old, and and, yeah, and, and put at like four inches, this was Jason, okay, so, so Jason, right, crazy kid, okay, he was always getting into trouble, now, I worked in the math room, and so we had like three different state, stations, right, for the kids to play, in. so We had one of them was be like Lego blocks where they would go and construct like, you know, little buildings or whatnot. Then there was another station where there was the computers and so it's math. So you have to like count the the little chocolate chips on the cookies, right? And then the third station was like magnets or something. And so, you know, you'd go and make something else, right? Well, Jason always wanted to be where the building blocks were. And so if he wasn't in that station, he would disrupt everything in the class, everyone, and, and try to go to that station. And if he couldn't, he would disrupt the kids who were at that station. So, he would, uh, one of the times, I actually remember, uh, he was in the, uh, on the computer having to play a little computer game or whatnot. And there was a toy car that was on the little desk there, right? So what did he do? He took the car off the desk, kind of rolled it up, right? And then it went off and, boom, knocked over this other kid's building block and it actually <laughs> fell on the kid who it hit. And so, literally, the kid starts crying, and I have to go over, and uh, like, hey, what the heck? Like, what's going on? But how many of us can sometimes act like Jason? See, in his four-year-old mind, he thought that it was logical for him to go over and, I don't know, uh, break somebody else's uh, construction because he couldn't be the one doing it. In his mind, he thought that if he can go and disrupt somebody else, then, you know, he could potentially get his way. Now, obviously, that wasn't the case, um, but it kind of ruined it for him, because he wasn't able to switch around the stations like he was intended to, to eventually get to that point. Now, just like Jason and me, it's almost like us with God sometimes, right? God is way bigger, and he knows way more, so even to compare makes no sense at all with our understanding compared to God's understanding. Rick Warren is a pastor out of Southern California, and uh, he, he has this one analogy that I love using. He says, it's almost like an ant trying to understand the internet. We just can't understand God's ways. It's impossible. Now, in the case of David, we might think to ourselves that in our little minds, killing Saul would be good. But when we are led by God, there might it might not go according to what we might think it should. So let's continue reading. It says this. Verse 4. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed. To put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Now, let's pause real quick. I just want to say I love this story. Why? This is a beautiful representation of what it looks like to have our hearts and our minds aligned up with Christ. See, I think our generation is amazing in the sense that we get to acknowledge our feelings and our emotions way, other, way more than I think other generations have, and I think that can be a good thing, as long as we're not driven or led by them. And I think that's key. See, David could have so easily have gone and killed Saul, and could have justified it by his feelings. How often do we justify our actions by our feelings? How often do we listen to ourselves and our desires rather than God's desire? We'd be like Jason, rolling cars, and actually, he even chucked a car once, too. We'd be like Jason, chucking cars at other kids, thinking we were justified in doing it because of our feelings. I think God wants to build for himself a people who are willing to trust him with our battles, to trust him despite... How obscure or foolish it may seem. But to truly get to that point, we need to acknowledge with where we're at in our hearts and our minds. Now, I just want to kind of preface this. At this point in this sermon, uh, I want to address the professing Christians in this room. Now, for those of you who, you know, don't have a relationship with God yet, this isn't necessarily for you. It's for those of you who believe you have a relationship, whether it's good or bad that this is addressed to, okay? See, I believe that there's two camps. I believe that the first group of people is those whose minds are in it, but their hearts aren't. Let me explain. See, there's people who may do all the right things, say all the right things, can even speak Christianese, but you can't manage to fool God. Jesus even says in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not heal in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me. Workers of lawlessness. That's scary. That's harsh. And I don't know why some people may put on a mask or a facade and and go to church and do all the right things. For whatever purpose or reason you have for doing it, it's worthless. It's worthless. Without Jesus. Now the second group of people Are the people who think that their hearts are in it, but actions aren't. These are the people who may think that they are good with God. And that God's grace grace is sufficient enough for you to think about the things you do. To say in secret the things that you do. Whether it be about somebody else. Whether it be about gossip or whatnot. Or even for you to do the things that you do. Whether in secret or not. But I think if you have the Holy Spirit in you, deep down you know that it's not okay. See, don't let yourself be fooled into thinking your heart's intent is something that it's not. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. It doesn't matter what you think your intent is. It matters what the truth of your intent is. The Bible is like a mirror, and it helps us look at ourselves and see where we are lining up with God. And this is a good way to test it. Are your actions, your your actions are a reflection of your heart. So are they reflecting where your heart's at? So if you think your intent is good, again, what does your actions say? But I also want to acknowledge this: that no matter who you are in this room, no matter where you are at in the Christian walk, we all can struggle with this daily. This is all something that we struggle with daily. Okay? And so, but, I, if, but, but let's figure out where you are and where you lean towards and how you can make that adjustment. I think it's important for us to all get real with God on where you're at and ask him to show you where you are so he can help you out of it. See, so he wants us to walk in the fullness of what he's calling us to, and we can't do that if our hearts and minds are not aligned with his. So, if everyone could, uh, get out your phone, get something to write with, um, and open up your notes. I just want to take us a moment to, uh, to figure out where we're at. I, I want you to, to write out, literally write out, where you think you are and some of the questions that you might want to ask God regarding where you're at. Are you somebody who just shows up because your family do, did, or, or your parents expect you to, or your friends are there, right? Or are you somebody who who shows up and genuinely loves like the worship and stuff? But hey, you know what? The things that I do on the side, like it's cool, it's cool if I you know do this, say this, think this. And if you're somebody who's in here that's struggling with these things, that's okay too. And I don't want to I don't want to demonize anything in here because. We all struggle with this. And is it wrong? Yes. But I do too. Everyone does. Everyone struggles with this. But Jesus is the one who's perfect and he wants to help us out. So I'm going to let us have a couple of seconds just to write out some of these things. Write out where you are at with God. Ask him what you want to hear from him. And how you can get out of the position that you're in. None of us have have arrived yet. I don't think we're all in, any of us is in heaven yet. And so I think it's important for us to get one step closer tonight. Now, I don't want to stop anybody. um, So if you want to keep writing, go for it. I'm just going to end it with this. Saul, he leaves the cave, and David shouts out to him and says that it is him. David shows Saul a piece of the cloth that he had torn off of Saul's robe, and he tells him that he had spared his life. In verse 20, Saul is talking, and he tells David, And behold, I know that you shall surely be king, that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your name. In your hand, I apologize. We should be so established in our walk with Christ that even Satan, our enemy, acknowledges the victory that we have because of Christ. That's a powerful thing. It's not just our enemy that should acknowledge it, but it's you. Know the victory that we have in Christ. Know the victory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much that God, you are our guide in this life and that you are somebody who wants to walk with us daily. That you created us for a purpose and for a reason and that you love us so immensely to be patient with us. Not just be patient with us, but that you are loving and that you want to be there for us. I pray that for every single one of us tonight, that in our hearts, we would open ourselves up to let Jesus in, to give Jesus a chance to walk with us and to find the freedom that we have in you and to find rest in you, Jesus. We thank you for your word and for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.